you know, maybe I need to continue to work on it because you slipped in the word problem again, right? <laughs> exactly. um, and that's the thing, you know, someone says, I often, when I'm, when I'm working with people, I will ask them in your life, like, do you have problems? And the answer always is, of course, everyone has problems. Right. But I would argue that that's not true, that nobody has problems. Problems is just a word again, that we label circumstances. Everyone has circumstances. You're born and then you have circumstances until you die. And the thing is, when you die, you have only one circumstance and that's that you're dead. In between, you have a multitude of circumstances and you get to decide how you're gonna label those circumstances. And if you label them problems, then they're gonna be problems. Welcome to the Miracle Academy. This is your host, Scotty Cooper, and this is where miracles are expected. Hi, this is Scotty Cooper with the Miracle Academy. Today on our podcast, I have a really special guest. This is one of my mentors and one of the people that I call when I need to learn and I need to know how to be more successful in my life. This is Glenn Schnobliger. He, like I said, he's been a mentor to me in so many different ways, whether it's been my baseball coach or just helping me with just being successful in all different things. So I'm really happy that you're able to come today. Well, thank you, Scotty. It's a yeah. pleasure to be here. Awesome. So I think like over the years, you've really have given me so much wisdom in different different aspects. And it's it's funny because a lot of it starts out with having to do with our business, but then you give me this wisdom and it's like, okay, it's not actually just that, it's something that I need to take to all of my life. And I think there's so many amazing things you've told me over the different years. But like one of the, the ones that just stands out to me is how you've talked about how words really shape your reality. And I'm really taking that to heart and doing with all the different things that I do. So could you tell us a little bit about like how do words shape your reality and how have you seen that in your life? Yeah, well, the way I look at it is reality only exists in language. I mean, without language, we don't know what anything is. We have no memories of things because we have labels for things and all those words create our ability to know what things are and to remember things. And words are really important because if we use words like I am tired, for example, um, you know, that I would argue that that's never true. Like if you said, I am tired, I would say, no, you're not Scotty. And you know how I know that? Because if I got the dictionary out and opened it up to the word tired, yeah. your picture's not there, yeah. right? But those words create our reality. Um, tired is just a feeling, it's just a way of being. And you can choose to not be tired anytime you want yeah. by using different words and by framing um, your state of mind in uh, I'm phenomenal, for example, as opposed to I am tired. So we create that. I, you know, I, I had a business uh, that I had started, but somebody else was running and it had, you know, quite a poor culture because I wasn't there every day. And at one point I went in and took over to run the day-to-day -day operations of the business. And I realized it's like, I hate being here because it's terrible. So I set out to change that culture. And I did so by trying to change the words that people used. And it really did ultimately have a great impact. But what I found is that I can't create a great place to work. I can't create a great environment for you. Only you can. Yeah. And it's your words and your view of that particular environment that creates the reality. If you say, this is a great place to work and you look for the good, guess what? It's gonna be a great place to work. If you say, this is a terrible place to work and you look for the bad, 
it's going to be a bad place to work, a terrible place to work. So words that we use both about ourselves and other people and our environment create that reality. Yeah, that's cool. So another thing that we've talked about before is that you, you kind of taught me that you never use the word but. It's true. So why don't you use that word? Well, there's occasional what I do use but, right? But it's not... See, I just used it. <laughs> Where it's not appropriate is when we're describing circumstances that we view as problems. Yeah. Um, and that's what we do. We will say, for example, um, you know, I need to go to work, but I have a flat tire. Mm-hmm. The flat tire has absolutely no relationship to the fact that you need to go to work. Those are just two different circumstances. I mean, you could say the same thing. You say, I have to go to work but I had waffles for breakfast. It doesn't have anything to do with it, right? If you change that word but yeah. in when you're describing a circumstance to and, then it completely changes the way you look at it, can cha- changes how your brain works, and you'll find solutions. So you've said, I have to go to work and I have a flat tire. Okay, great, what am I gonna do about it? How am I gonna get to work? How am I gonna live up to that commitment that I have to be someplace? So that's why, and, and it's any place, any place where we have a circumstance that's not the way that we expect it to be, mm-hmm. and we, we, we set it up, but, but creates a wall mm-hmm. and creates opportunity for a solution for, you know, to, to fulfill on what we intend to fulfill on. That's really cool. And that's, I think for me being around you, that really opened my eyes to like, you know, I always thought like there's all these problems, right? There's all these things that need to be solved. And, and I was creating a wall to, instead of finding the opportunity of it, I, I was getting so caught up with being in the, the hailstorm, right? I was like, oh, well, there's this to do, this to do, this to do. But then like I saw how you worked and you were like, no, I'm clear on what needs to be done. Those are just circumstances. We need to find the solution. Right. And it's really changed the way that I talk with our interns and our team members, because like, Previously, for instance, you know, I had one of our team members do something that was really dumb and like I should have been really upset about and you know and previous me may have like even yelled or been super upset but then present me didn't. Present me was like, okay, I acknowledge that there was a problem. I didn't like that but let's find out how can we fix that and make it better and I I think you've really shown that to me just in our just yeah. well you know maybe I need to continue to work on it because you slipped in the word problem again right <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and that's the thing you know someone says I often when I'm when I'm working with people I will ask them in your life like do you have problems and the answer always is of course everyone has problems right but I would argue that that's not true that nobody has problems problems is just a word again that we label circumstances Everyone has circumstances. And here's the thing about circumstances. Not only does everyone have circumstances, people tend to think that their circumstances are worse than other people's circumstances. And it's pretty universal. Everyone tends to think that, unless they become aware, and that's that's what you're kind of alluding to, that you kind of become aware that that's the case. Yeah. But, you know, I say about circumstances, here's the thing, right? You're born, and then you have circumstances until you die. And the thing is, when you die, you have only one circumstance, and that's that you're dead. In between, you have a multitude of circumstances, and you get to decide how you're going to label those circumstances. And if you label them problems, then they're going to be problems. Wow. But if you just label them as, hey, this is a circumstance, and we'll get, you know, we'll get there. And it really comes into play when we're trying to achieve goals. That's where I really like to point it out, is that if you set a goal that you want to achieve, and a circumstance comes up, if you label it a problem, it's more likely to have you stop 
It's like, well, I intended to do this, but there that word comes up. Uh, I have this problem. And if you just say, oh, I'm going to achieve this goal and this circumstance, which has now come up is different than I expected, then that's just what happens. It's like, I'm going to move around. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to still achieve that goal and stay focused on it. Wow. So how we label things, again, it goes back to what your original first um, comment was about words, is that if we label things like that, then that's how we'll see them and that will stop us. And it's about getting stopped. If we stay future focused and outward focused rather than focus on the past, on the problems, on the whatever, then we can accomplish anything. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to use the word problem anymore. I'm you will. Circumstances. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, that that's gold. So another like thing that you've really shown me too is that there's a, there's a few reasons people are ever upset with their circumstances or what happens in their lives, and you've helped me like see what those are and then how to respond to those. So if you want to share that with sure. Watching. I mean, the way that I look at it is, first of all, that anger in and of itself is usually, is very seldom useful, right? right? Um, I mean, it happens and it's not an emotion that we can get completely get rid of or deny that it exists, but it's, it's seldom useful. And I have discovered that there are really only three things in life that make us angry. Right. Um, and the first and the largest is unmet expectations. There's three things in, in this, um, world basically that make us angry. The first is unmet expectations and that's the most prevalent. And you know, some people say, no, there's more than three things. I, I have a list this long of stuff that makes me angry, pisses me off. Right? So, but really, if you look at it, it all boils down to that. So the first one is unmet expectations and think about that, right? So you expect your wife to do something and she doesn't do it. And guess what? You get angry about it. You expect something, you know, expect a sunny day and it rains. You get, you know, maybe you get a bit angry about it, right? You don't, you can't really do anything about it, but that's what those kinds of things make us angry. You're driving down the freeway and you have a nice open lane and someone <laughs> cuts you off and that's not what you expected and we get angry. So unmet expectations is one of the, the main things that make us angry. Um, another thing that makes us angry is perceived unfairness. So let's dissect that a little bit, right? Perceived means that we think something happened, whether it really did or not. Right. And unfairness is that, right? That it's, it's unfair. And so there's all kinds of things going on in the world today and we get bombarded on the news and social media. And I'm not gonna go into any specifics cause I don't want to trigger anyone, but you know, we see things it's like, oh, that's unfair. And we get angry about it. A, we don't really know if it really happened. B, it's not really affecting us personally, right. um, but it's unfair and we get angry. Um, one of my favorite examples is reality TV. Yeah. So I often say, oh, you know that show where there's a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls and um, they're all kind of hanging out at some place and and uh, there's one guy who's dating one girl and then they have those confessionals and then we find out that that guy's actually cheating on that girl with another girl. And when I talk to young people, they go, yeah, I watched that show. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what show that is. But um, we get, you know, we yell at the TV. It's like, oh, I can't believe that's going on. And why does that happen? Well, because it's perceived unfairness. So that's one of the things that make us angry. And the third thing that makes us angry really is fear. And, and the primary reason that fear can evolve into anger is that the brain chemicals that are associated with fear and anger are almost the same. We have cortisol and adrenaline, those things. So I'm not going to get so much into that. But really, that's all. And here's the thing. Going back to what I said earlier is that I don't find anger to be helpful or useful um, in most situations because we're not clear headed about it. When we stop and say, oh, I'm angry, like which one of those three things? 
then you have it just about one because right then the anger will dissipate anyway. Right. And then you'll see that, yeah, okay, I, that's not what I expected, but you know, why am I going to waste a bunch of my time being angry about it when I can just go on with life and be more productive with my thoughts? Because, I mean, we have a finite amount of moments in life and why waste any of them, you know, being angry or carrying something with us that is, is useless? Yeah, that's amazing. So what is some of the things that you do, I mean, like with your powerful communication that you use, what's like the framework of how like if someone's upset or those kind of situations, you're able to help them kind of get out of that or the, the ways you, you've kind of taught me sure. this powerful communication. Sure. Well, I mean, our whole lives are about communication, really. Um, you know, it's all about us working together um, with people and trying to get people um, enrolled in doing the things that we want them to do. You know, you want to run a successful chiropractic business and you have to build a team and get them all uh, focused on doing the things that you want them to do and that takes communication right. um, and you have patients and, and businesses have customers that come in and sometimes doesn't go the way they want and then they get upset those kinds of things so what, what no matter who it is that we're communicating with um, the best way to get the result that we are interested in is to follow kind of a set guideline of steps that will get you powerful communication and usually get the outcome that you desire but before you start those steps which I'll be happy to share with you um, there's one thing you have to do first, and that is you have to let go of something that you want probably more than anything else, and you don't even realize it, mm -hmm. right? And most people are like, well, what is that? I don't even know what it is. Well, it's your need to be right. Like, everyone has this need to be right, and they want it more than just about anything. You know, someone says, well, what do you want most in life? I want to be happy. It's like, yeah, but you know what? You'd rather be <laughs> right than be happy, because I've seen you argue with people about who's right, and neither of you are happy at that moment. So you give up that need to be right. And in a particular communication that you're kind of aware of, that maybe planning for, maybe you know you're going to have a, a conversation with an employee about something, um, and you, you're kind of concerned that it might be a difficult conversation. I'm, I'm all about there's no such thing as a difficult conversation either. But then, you know, that that's the first thing you tell yourself, but actually state to yourself, like, I'm going to give up my need to be right because I have an outcome and a you know, preferred outcome that I have, and I'm going to stay focused on that. So then the four steps are, the first step is to listen. And everyone says, well, of course, but we don't do that. Humans don't do that. At least what they don't do is they don't listen to understand. What they do is they listen to respond. And you can think about any time you were arguing, um, and we've all done it, we've all argued with somebody, and the other person is talking, and they get like halfway through what they're saying, and we're already going, okay, well, that's not, I'm gonna, whatever. And you're already <laughs> thinking about what your response is, and you don't listen. Yeah. So the first thing is like, shut up and listen, and listen to understand, don't listen to respond. Um, so that's the first step. The second step is to acknowledge what the other person says. And there's a couple reasons to do this. And what it looks like is that when they, they say what they say, then you kind of repeat what they said in an understanding way so that you understand. So the first part of why you do the acknowledgement is so that you really are communicating. You really understand what they're saying. And it looks like that. It's like, so what you're saying is you're not happy about something. Right. And then and then if you get that part right, they'll say, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And if you get it wrong, they'll say, no, that's not what I'm saying. And they'll start again. And that really gets you down to the real nitty gritty of what their concerns are. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to them and and then you acknowledge what they say. Yeah. So that's the first two steps. The third step is to validate what they say. Now, validating is an interesting thing, and sometimes it gets a little confusing for people, but what validating means is to just validate the feelings they have. So if they say, yeah, I'm really angry about such and such, then you can say, well, I, I get that. 
Um, you know, if I was in your shoes, I might feel exactly the same way. Now, it doesn't mean we're agreeing with them, and it doesn't mean that they should feel that way or whatever, but it, it just validates them because the second thing besides wanting to be right that people want is they want to be heard. And now you've just given that to them. It's a big gift you can give. It's like they feel heard. When you, when you feel like someone heard you, you just, you release, you know, you release the negativity. And by the time you get through those first three steps, uh, most of the adversarial nature of the conversation should be gone. Um, and then the fourth step is to problem solve or dig deeper. So if you really feel like you know what the situation is and you have a solution to offer based on what you now know, then you go to that stat. If you don't, then you just ask more questions. Say, so I understand this first part. So what I want to know is what do you think about this or how are we going to deal with that? And then they'll talk again and you repeat those four steps as often as necessary until you get to the preferred outcome that you have. Yeah. So that's the four steps. Now, there's also four things that you should avoid. Um, and the four things you should avoid is, is the first one is don't argue. Like, mm -hmm. if you think about it, you'd never won an argument, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you may have gotten your way, someone may have given in. Most of the time, since you're the man, if you're arguing with your wife, is you gave in. Um, <laughs> and she may or may not think she won the argument, but nobody wins arguments, right? And so don't argue, just, you know, just do the four steps and don't argue. The second thing to avoid doing is making them wrong. If you make them wrong and say, you know, you're wrong and you're mad at them and you shouldn't be that way, then you're going to be in a frame of mind that's not going to lead you to your preferred outcome. You know, you're just going to sit caught up in that argument when you know, you've been in arguments where it just gets circular and you just keep going back and forth over the same points. Right. The third thing is um, don't explain. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because, well, actually, the third thing is don't defend, okay? And if you start defending, if someone's saying something, well, you should have done this, and you say, well, we, we couldn't do that because whatever, they're just, you're just defending, and it's not gonna make them feel heard, um, they're gonna think you just wanna be right, um, and it's not gonna get to you to where you wanna be on a preferred outcome. And why I said explain is because defending and explaining are the same thing. Because that's what people, that's where, where it goes wrong a lot when I teach people to do this. They get to that point and they go, well, I wasn't defending. I was just trying to explain. It's like, well, that's not what the other person ever hears. Yeah. Right? They hear you're defending, like you're explaining. It's like, don't. So just don't. Because right. explaining comes from your need to be right. So just let that go. You've already kind of let that go. Yeah. So those are the things that, that you should avoid. There's one last thing you should avoid, and that's, addressing circumstances. So everyone has circumstances and that person may have circumstances. And if it's say it's a patient who's upset about something, it's like you probably may or may not be able to deal with their circumstances, but you just listen, understand and acknowledge the circumstances, but you don't try to solve them. Cause if you try to solve those circumstances, given that they're unrelated to what your preferred outcome is, then you're just gonna waste time with that, right? So right. you can acknowledge the circumstances, but you don't address them and try to resolve them. So that's kind of a long explanation. Um, it's nice when you see it in writing sometimes, but, <laughs> um, but that's it. And it takes practice. And as you said, um, I developed a lot of that in business, in businesses that I was running, but then I found that it works great in your personal life. And in fact, it works great with any communication. Yeah. Um, I, it really helps me have a lot less arguments at home for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the other things that I really took from all the training we did together was how intentional you are with all of your actions. So for instance, like you would ask me like, what's your intention behind this? Like, okay, you're doing that. Why, why are we doing that? What's your intention? 
So where did that come from? How did you really develop that in your kind of your daily life? Well, really from kind of a lot of study and mentoring. I mean, I've, I've participated in a lot of different things as I've run businesses. I mean, I didn't really know. I wasn't born with that particular knowledge. So between reading books and stuff like that is really where a lot of that came from. But really, um, as I developed into um, a business leader and really continued to look to, to how I could be a better leader, um, that was one of the things that came to me is I realized that I would sit there and struggle, try to find solutions to problems. Um, and then we would do things or we would do things because other people were doing things and we would lack intention. It's like, well, we should do this. We should, we should have a podcast. Okay. Well, what's the intention, right? Why right. are you going to do it? Because if you don't have an intention, then it's like attention, an intention creates kind of a roadmap. It creates a, a destination that you want to get to. Um, and without that, you're just going to meander all over and stuff. So if you have an intention for something, then it'll help guide you in getting there. So I learned that and, um, and it's, it's phenomenal to me in businesses how much stuff is done without intention. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've taken a new position as a chief operating officer of another company um, just recently. And as I stepped in, you know, they're showing me all these things they're doing. It's like, okay, great. That's great. Like, why do you do that? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, what's your intention? It's like, I don't know. We just do this because we think it's the right thing to do. And it's like, well... Let's uh, let's step back and let's develop some intentions and and that's actually has had a huge impact already in that organization. So that's cool. So what would you say to someone that wants to be a leader, whether that be in business or in the community or just they want to be a leader for their peers? What would you say is like something really important that they should should do to help be a better leader? Well, there's a couple things, but I think the most the first thing is just to step into it, right? It's like people think I can be a leader when, right? They, the, the, you live your whole life that way. Like I'll be happy when something else happens. I'll be a leader when. If I, you know, when I graduate and have a degree, I'll be a leader. And it's really just stepping into it. It's like looking at who you need to be to be a leader. And you develop that maybe by looking at people you admire, looking at people who are successful leaders and, and look at how they're being while they're leading. And then you start to be that way now. There's no reason why you can't be that way now, yeah. right? Um, and there's a couple other ones and, and it's really kind of giving up a lot of fear because if you really look at, at life, I mean, what are we afraid of, right? We're afraid of a lot of things. Some of those things are inborn. Like we're afraid of rejection as an example. Um, and, and some people like, well, yeah, I'm not, or I, people will deny being afraid of, re of rejection. Right. And that's the first thing too, when you have situations like that is you have to acknowledge where you are. Like everyone's afraid of rejection and there's a reason it's inborn. It's like you touch a hot stove and you pull your hand off. Right. Well, why is that? Well, because we evolved that we knew that if we burned our hand, it could, uh, kill us or you know, we get an infection or we couldn't hunt or whatever the case may be in an evolutionary sense. Um, so we developed that. We evolved to have that pain sense that we automatically have that, that, you know, reaction. And similarly, rejection, you know, uh, prehistorically or evolutionarily, however you want to phrase it, uh, one of the most dangerous things that could happen to a human is to be cast out of a group. Um, if you were cast out and on your own, you probably wouldn't survive. You know, people today is like, no, I'd love to have a few days alone, right? But, um, but historically, that wasn't a bad, that was a thing. So we developed that response as well. That's why when we're rejected, we want to think, I don't care about that. I don't care about what that group thinks. But we do, we can't help it. 
And we just acknowledge that. That's what I have done. It's like, well, I know I'm going to have those feelings. when, If I feel rejected, I'm going to have those feelings. And I just accept those. But that's one of the things that people, why they don't lead, because they're afraid of being rejected um, or feeling rejected. By the way, not being rejected, because we're in this society, we're so rarely actually rejected. But just that feeling of rejection, because it's painful. It's painful like touching the hot stove, because it could hurt us in the, you know, when, when, uh, pre-civilization times but um so kind of giving that up and that helps when you kind of recognize that and it doesn't happen like that but when you kind of recognize that that there's nothing really to be afraid of then you can step into that leadership role you can be more fully self-expressed because you're not worried about being rejected so i mean that's really what i think what has happened to me and when i did that it's it's interesting because the leadership opportunities just present themselves and and I always find myself in that role, and you know, even though I don't strive for it, so that's that's amazing. I mean, I think with all the things you just said, I'm gonna have to rewatch all of this and take <laughs> notes because that was that was incredible. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I feel like every, anyone that's gonna watch this is gonna get a ton out of that and be able to take that to so many facets of their life. So, so thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. So this was uh, this was Scotty Cooper and Glenn Schnobleger with the Miracle Academy. If you want to uh, follow us on social media, you can, and you can kind of see more of the different things that we do. And uh, thank you so much for watching today.